0: Hi, everyone. I'm Jill Schlesinger, and you're listening to Jill on Money. Today's show I'm excited to share is part of the Dell Technologies Small Business Podference. Small businesses are constantly looking for ways to advance their marketing strategies and grow their companies. That's why Dell Technologies assembled an all-star lineup of podcasters to create this year's virtual conference to share advice and inspiration for small businesses. I hope that you find this episode both inspiring and useful as we work together to support small businesses. Dell Technologies is here to help safeguard your business from modern devices and Windows 10 Pro to providing relevant content for your business's success. To find more participating podcasts, search for Dell Technologies Small Business Podference on the Odyssey app, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts at the end of this episode. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It's Monday and we are starting off on a strong foot this Monday. We are bringing back one of our favorite guests, my pal, Michael Goodman. He's a president, founder of Wealthstream Advisors, an independent investment advisory financial planning firm. In this interview, we are focusing on what changed in his business during COVID. What lessons did he take away? And so he is part of this Dell Podference that we're participating in. It's pretty cool. And you'll hear more about that. But it's most important that you understand that Every person who's gone through this year and some months has been impacted. Small business owners especially have been impacted. And if you are thinking about either going into business or you have a new way of looking at your own business, of course, send us an email Ask Jill at JillOnMoney.com. Ask Jill at JillOnMoney.com. And if you're on our website, the JillOnMoney.com website, there's a contact button there. So shoot us a note. Let us know how it's going. We love you, small business owners. I used to be one of those. So happy I'm not, by the way. And uh, let us know how it's going as we look forward to the post pandemic era. I can't wait. I don't know about you. Here is our interview with Michael Goodman. Let's start with a couple of questions for you. And and I'm going to talk to you first as a small business owner yourself, because you've got a thriving investment management and financial advisory firm. So talk a little bit about what happened a year ago or more than a year ago when things were shut down. What what occurred first and foremost in your business?
1: Yeah, we, we had like a kind of a double impact. But the first thing that we focused on, of course, was everybody's safety and health. And that meant having to leave our office. We have a pretty tight-knit culture. Everybody kind of gets along really well, likes each other in our company, and we enjoy working together and collaborating. And we had to immediately go remote. So that was probably the the first the most important thing that happened. The Second thing that happened was we work in the financial markets. We help our clients and our client families manage their financial affairs and their lives and their financial plans. And the idea that all of a sudden there was this big question mark as to what their wealth looked like and that it was you know dropping rather precipitously made us have to jump into action and serve our clients rather rapidly. How many people work in the company now? Nineteen.
0: How were you set up? to manage this business remotely. Had was that something that you had contemplated previous to the pandemic? Like how did this work actual like nuts and bolts? What
1: happened? Fortunately we've always embraced technology and having worked through, you know, nine eleven and being displaced from my office then and then again in Hurricane Sandy. We definitely built in some technology. I would say, though, we never in our wildest dreams thought we would use it to the degree that we used it during the pandemic. That's for sure. But we did have a lot of the things already in place. Actually, we had everything in place. We just weren't using maybe some of the things as robustly as we started to use them. Give me an example of that. I got two really good examples. The first one, which most people have already, is sort of a VoIP telephone system where you're not, you know, copper line and you have internet technology and you can really run your phone through your laptop. Pretty powerful. And that was great. It was like we were basically all able to just basically answer our phones and transfer calls, et cetera. Uh, Sounds rather mundane. And most people are on that technology, but never thought we would use it the way we did.
0: All right. What was the second thing that you had invested in technology-wise?
1: Yeah. The second thing was a a low-cost investment for us. And and we used this once again. We started it probably, I don't know, six months before the pandemic. And we got uh, a messaging system. We use Microsoft Teams. A lot of other people use Slack, but we use Microsoft Teams. And that was really powerful because in the office you know, you can message somebody, but, you know, we're a pretty small organization. You can kind of just stand up and say, hey, you know, what's going on with this? (laughs) Um, but, But now we were able to quickly message each other, you know, and you can also have that on your phone. So if you step away from your desk and you need somebody, it's just basically like text messaging, except it's so much more robust. And we use that for a whole bunch of cool stuff, including, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit, is sort of dealing and maintaining culture
0: had you used video with your clients previously? You have clients all over the the country and some all over the world. So had you used that previously?
1: Yes. And that, that's the big thing that everybody's talked about, right? Zoom, which is why I went to these other two things. But yes, absolutely. We did some video conferencing. We do have about a third of our clients outside of the New York City metro area that we would speak with. And it just wasn't used a lot. Some clients still just prefer a phone call or so, but all of a sudden, you know, a month or two into the pandemic, everybody's like, okay, let's zoom. So we've been having much more engaging meetings with some clients that are outside the New York City metro area than we had in the past.
0: And why do you think that is? Do you think people are just lonely or they were freaked out? I mean, once the initial um, stock market drop occurred, was it really just about feeling connection, do you think?
1: Definitely, definitely. I think it was not only feeling connection with somebody who we, you know, advises the way we do, but we were all kind of mostly at home. As, you know, if people were, were on the conservative side and cautious or had some potential health issues, they were, were not going out of their house for periods of time. So the idea of just even having that kind of connection is surely something that's going to make people feel better, whether it's relating to their financial affairs or not.
0: How do you think that these Technological um, investments that you made that got you through the pandemic. What do you think is going to happen post-pandemic? Like, how do you how do you imagine your re-entry into a physical office? Because I know that that's something that's important to you. But what is the legacy of some of these things? What will persist going forward? Do you think?
1: Well, I believe they'll all persist. I just hope that they'll become less dominant. Uh, there'll be tools in your tool belt we're all going to know how to work them a lot better. Uh, let's, let's be clear. You know, I've gotten much better at using Zoom than I was beforehand. And, and frankly, Zoom has gotten better at Zoom. So it's good that this happened in a way from that technology standpoint. I personally uh, look forward to them all being around. I just think that you know, if they're a little less dominant, we get back to some more face-to-face or other traditional means of communication, that would be great too.
0: What did you learn as a business owner in this period? what What was the What are some of the takeaways for you in running your own business that you think are were important lessons? And you've owned this business for how long? Twenty years? Twenty something years?
1: Uh, Twenty five this year wow. actually. Oh, yeah.
0: it's an anniversary party. So, <laughs> I
1: mean, what what do you take out of this experience? I think there's a couple of things. We we all have to remember that there's there's going to be lows. Uh, there's going to be challenging times. It's very easy to sort of just hang on to the status quo or the the good times, but we're going to have some really big challenges. It's a little analogous to the stock market, if you will. For the most part, it's mostly going up, but every now and then it goes down and it goes down very quickly and it can get scary when that happens. So you have to remember that and not to get put off by that. I think those are the times where you really get an opportunity to go back to your core values, really think about what you're doing and work hard at it. Uh, so once again, just remember that there'll be the lows. The second thing I think you, you have to learn is that you have to be on top of your personal business financial plan. You know, you should be doing budgets, let's just say, projections. It doesn't have to be anything overly sophisticated, but you have, should have a sense of all the time of sort of what my plan is for the next couple of years. And you should also be planning for some bad things to happen. Not that they will hopefully, but what's gonna, what if happens if all of a sudden my revenue drops by a third? What does that mean? How do we survive that? Where do we need to nip and tuck, etc.? cetera? So you should do your own business financial planning. And one of the key tenants of that is cash is king, especially today with interest rates being so low, it's so frustrating to hold on to cash. But what people don't realize is that the interest they're earning is not in the form of dollars. The interest they're earning is the form of security to know that if something goes wrong, that they can survive that time period.
0: It's so interesting because I think that a lot of people are now turning to this idea of, you know what? I want to start a small business. I just saw the small business formation numbers are up huge. I mean, it's like a 40% increase then from like where we were before the pandemic, people starting businesses. If you are an existing business and you've just realized, like, you know, like yours, Michael, that you can run a business remotely, how does that change the negotiations you have with potential office space? Are you thinking like, you know what? I don't need any more office space. I'm done. I mean, how are you approaching this?
1: I think it's different for different people. I'm personally a big fan of uh, for our kind of a company of being in the office. Uh, And ironically, our company lease was up this summer. So we were going to be going into negotiations anyway at this time. Some people say to me, oh, you're really lucky you, you got to sign a lease and negotiate in this environment. You probably got a good deal. And yes, we did. But we also don't know what it's going to look like. I'm just, you know, I believe it'll be good and I'm optimistic about that. But we made a pretty big commitment for the next 10 years. So you paid
0: rent this whole time that you were not in the office? Yes. The same amount or did they give you a
1: discount? They did not give us a discount. They- oh, We didn't. We didn't ask for a discount. We were. We were doing fine. Our business was okay, and we felt that our moral obligation to pay our rent if we're okay.
0: You're such a good guy, Michael. (laughs) You are. Um, Okay. So let's shift a little bit. We are often asked about the following question which is, you know, what is the formation of this company? Should I be an LLC? Should I be a C-Corp? Should I be an S-Corp? How do you make this determination? And then I have a
1: follow-up on that. There's a lot of factors that come into place when making that decision. I would say that there are some general rules of thumb around this, and that is you're going to be the only owner, and you're not in a business that's litigious in any way, either a sole practitioner and just doing a Schedule C on your personal tax return, it might be the simplest and easiest and least expensive way, or if you're willing to take some incremental cost, an LLC is a good thing to have if it's gonna be just you also. The thing you need to be aware of with this, you you have to get some counsel from a, a tax person, a CPA that's in your area, is that there's federal rules when it comes to how these things work, And there are state rules when it comes to how these things work. And in some places, there are even more local municipal rules. So, for example, here in New York City, you have an additional taxing agency and an LLC in New York City has some detriments to it that you need to be aware of. I'm not saying it doesn't work, but you just need to be aware of these different layers of costs and or challenges.
0: So let me just follow up. The question actually came in via social, which is, is there any insights on the best way that I should convert from an LLC to a C-corp in order to take advantage of QSBS designation? What is this QSBS exemption?
1: Yeah. So qualified small business stock is an exemption in the tax law that allows you, when you exit or sell your shares, to shelter up to $10 million. Of- what? Yep. I love that. Yep. But there are some very significant rules or facts that you need to make sure you stick to to get that exemption. And I would recommend that you definitely work with not just a CPA, but a CPA who knows qualified small business stock, because there are some nuances to that. Being a C-corp is one of them. This
0: episode is just one of many podcasts included in the Small Business Podference presented by Dell Technologies. This podcast conference has been created to encourage and inspire small businesses while covering topics like new business strategies, influencer marketing, and beyond. Learn from top names in the podcast world like J.J. Reddick and Tommy from Old Man and Three, Rhett and Link of the Ear Biscuits, and many more. To find more participating podcasts, search for Dell Technologies Small Business Podference on the Odyssey app, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts at the end of this episode. When your clients, your financial planning and investment management clients are asking you small business questions, it must be quite handy to have that little CPA in your back pocket, isn't it?
1: It is, it is. One of the th- one of the things that's interesting about CP- being a CPA is that you learn how much there is to know. And that's what makes a CPA exam so challenging. It's literally like phone books worth of information. But if you're not continuously using the information on page 7,423 on a daily basis, and the laws change all the time. What really a good CPA is, one who knows to ask a lot of questions. They might not always have the answers, but they can research that or talk to somebody who does. And qualified small business stock is a great example of something where you need to make sure that you really seek out somebody who understands all the intricacies.
0: So um, another question we got is a really good one. The question is about for small businesses, what are some of the best retirement plans that I can implement? I presume this means that somebody's moved beyond sole proprietor and done their IRA or Roth IRA. And now they're in that mode of like, okay, now I have some money and I can fund retirement. What are some of the retirement plan options that are available for small businesses? And even if it's just a single operator of that small business, it just happens to be
1: cranking. Yeah. So there are some real good juicy options there now. It's gotten a little simpler over time too. But I would say that the two best options, generally speaking, are going to be a solo 401k, which will allow you to have sort of this profit sharing plan element to the plan, which allows you to put away a percentage of your profit for the year and do a 401k piece. And some custodians even allow you to do a Roth 401k in these solo 401ks. So that is something that is definitely a great option for most companies. If you have a company that's really doing well, significant profits, and you're over the age of, let's say, 40-ish, let's say, and you don't have significant amount of employees, low employees, maybe no employees, you can do what's called a defined benefit plan, which will allow you to put away substantially more money. The max in the solo 401k that we were just talking about is somewhere in the 50s, let's say. 58. Yeah, thank you very much. And a defined benefit plan, now we're talking about potentially being able to, to deduct in excess of $200,000 off of your tax return to put into a retirement plan.
0: Tell me what would happen if
1: Mark were my employee and I have a solo 401k, what happens? Well, you'd have to have a regular 401k at that point. Solo is just, if you're the only one, so I should have clarified that earlier perhaps, but you'd have a regular 401k, it's right. a little more annoying now because you have a layer of expense mm-hmm. and a layer of complexity to the plan. Mm-hmm. A little bit, there's, there's what's called testing that you have to do each year to make sure the plan's in compliance. Mm-hmm. But the good news is the government's given us what is called a safe harbor option. So if you do this for the safe harbor, which I'll explain in a second, you don't have, you'll pass all your testing. And the way to do that to meet the safe harbor requirements is either to A, make a 3% contribution of the employee's salary. So in other words, if they were making $100,000, you'd put in $3,000 into their plan for them. It's not a match. You have to do it and mm-hmm. for all the employees. And then you can put in whatever you want. There's no testing for yourself. Or you could do a match.
0: What if I have, I decide, ugh, seems like a pain in the neck. I don't want to do all that testing stuff. If I have a SEP IRA for myself. And let's just say I have, you know, three employees. Can I allow them to do be part of that? Or is that a simple IRA? Like what happens here? I, I've kind of forgot what the choices are. If I have let's say five or fewer employees, like what is the what are some of the options in that case?
1: A simple IRA is a great option. The issue with the SEP IRA is the SEP IRA is a employer plan only the employer is putting money into the SEP IRA. The simple 401k or the simple IRA, that allows people to put their own payroll monies in as well. So Mm -hmm. if you have employees that want to make contributions, you're going to need a plan other than a SEP IRA.
0: Okay. Got it. I'm going to ask this question. No one asked this, but I find it quite interesting. How do you know when to call it quits? Like, How do you know when the business is let's say you've got a business it's got crushed by covid right a restaurant or whatever and i'm sure that there are many people who are like well i could borrow money from my retirement account or i could refinance my house
1: and do all that how do you know when it's time to just call it quits and be done i think there's just two factors there's the math and then there's the non math on the math side you have to make sure you're aware of your own personal financial plan what is this business costing you for the in the future what are you losing in the future for your ability to at one point, be financially independent and have enough money not to have to work. Uh, If you're really crushing that other goal, you have to raise your hand and say, I'm out, because Mm -hmm. the long-term ramifications are too steep. Then there's the non-financial stuff. So on the one hand, there's the stress factor. And I think that a lot of people don't recognize how much stress it is to run a small business. There's a lot of joy also, and some people just are vehemently independent and don't want to work for somebody else. So they're willing to have that stress. So you got to factor that into.
0: I mean, I think that it's fair to say that everyone felt stress in different ways. You were actually in an industry that got hit early, but then was thriving. So how did you manage your own mental health in the period? Because I think it can be very lonely to be the boss.
1: Absolutely. So first of all, super stressful, Uh, probably two weeks of just super stress. And I think this was a unique stress. I've been through many market downturns before. That's not necessarily what stressed me in this instance, although of course that's stressful. The stress here was that it was a pandemic and that mm-hmm. nobody had a playbook for that. Uh, we Nobody knew what was going to happen. Nobody knew how it was going to turn out. And that was a little darker. Uh, no questions asked.
0: You're so outwardly calm and you really seemed very chill like it was like did you go zen how did you get there
1: well a i truly believe that we would get there so you got to you have to create your north star and focus on that and get and that's what's going to do it for you and one of the things i did probably in day 9 of this pandemic was every morning when i would go from my bedroom to my office because we were all home at that point in time i would spend 10 to 15 minutes of just positivity. And for me, I would pull out different books that I had. You know, One is the Daily Stoic that I'll read or something else about positive. And I would read some sort of meditation kind of a thing and make sure that I focused on, okay, this is where I am. I'm going to start from here and I'm just going to get through the day. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to stay positive. And it really made a big difference.
0: How do you see some of the changes in your clients who have small businesses? What are you hearing about post-COVID trends?
1: It's very dependent on the industries they're in. I think there are businesses, like you said, that are gonna be starting up. A lot of people decided for either because they had to get a new job or because they just felt, I'm done here, and a lot of new opportunities have been created out of this. And that's one of the, the great things about sort of the way our system works here in this country, is you have an idea, you can get out there and start at something new. Um, the reliance on technology has been a great example of how that's developed. I think the biggest theme that I'm seeing is versatility. People have to create businesses that are versatile. Uh, if you're reliant on too many factors that are static, you're going to be in trouble because if those cha- those factors change, you're not going to be able to carry through another shock. Like we went through. Do
0: you feel like you're a better owner and operator for having gone through this ter- terrible period?
1: By far, by far. Um, I I probably would have preferred not to have to go through it in that way to get there. But yes, uh, I definitely feel like I've grown a lot as not only as a business owner, but as a coworker, as somebody who really had to make sure that I was understanding how everybody was doing. How were they being impacted on this? I was trying to make sure that they not only could do their job, but that they were okay what other family members they were going through this with and were they comfortable in their setup and how did we keep our culture going and everybody being in touch with each other, trying to make visits, meeting co-workers in the parking lot for lunch, just to touch base with them. All right. Thanks
0: so much to Michael Goodman for joining us again. You'll hear his voice towards the end of the year. We like to bring him on for year end financial planning. If you have a question about your own business, your you're thinking about starting a business? What steps you should take? Send us an email. Ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. As always, wash your hands, wear your masks, maintain your physical distancing, and try to lift someone up today. I know that that person will feel better and I know you will feel better for doing it. We'll talk to you tomorrow.